Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here, another episode of ATDC Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. I have with me today the founders of Map Habit, Matt Golden and Stuart Zola. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Glad to be here. All right, let's kick it off with Stuart. Um, Stuart, tell us about Map Habit. How are you serving folks? Well, Map Habit is a uh, system that is aimed at helping individuals who have memory problems. Uh, as well as their caregivers. And these are individuals who uh, could suffer from various kinds of dementia, for example, Alzheimer's disease, and have difficulty remembering things. Map Habit provides them a, a mechanism by using a series of visual maps uh, that lay out for them step-by-step uh, activities of daily living and helps them to both schedule and get through those activities successfully and helps to reduce some of the burden on caregivers uh, by helping the patient to the individual with the condition become more independent. Now, um, what was the genesis of the idea? The genesis of the idea actually came both from Matt and from me. We are actually neighbors. We live on the same street. Neighbors. Just live in the same neighborhood. So yeah, you're just th- three, randomly three placed. Three doors down. <laughs> just a couple of doors down from each other. And in fact, we did not talk to each other for about eight or nine years. And that was after you got to know each other or that was before you <laughs> knew each was, other? Uh, I'll do the jokes around here, <laughs> later, but that's very good. Um, no, we, we have, we're casual neighbors, but we never really had uh, too much of a conversation until just about a year, year and a half ago when we discovered we each have a kind of passion for um, trying to help individuals with this condition because of our own personal experiences. And Matt can say something about his uh, with mine, it was my mother who had a stroke and had, in the latter part of her life, she was in her 90s, but she then uh, suffered from dementia as a result of that. And the question always was, how could we make things better for those individuals? My background is in neuroscience and Alzheimer's disease and memory, and so that was a natural, uh, naturally occurring kind of uh, quandary for me all the time. Uh, met Matt, and he had another skill set, and we actually brought the two things to the table together and began to develop Map Habit. So, Matt, tell us about your background a little bit. Yeah, so in terms of the genesis of Matt Pabbitt, uh, my grandma uh, from an early age showed signs of, you know, forgetting things. and having Like how some, early? Uh, I, I can only remember about since I was four or five, but uh, really uh, that early. And she, uh, you know, she was, she was funny and comical. I, I probably didn't know what a grandma was actually supposed to act like, but it this is all. Grandmotherly. It seemed grandmotherly. Um, but just, you know, looking back now um, and knowing, uh, you know, what I know, it, it, there certainly were some, some abnormalities. And that's um, something important for the listener to know that um, these issues can kind of reveal themselves at a much younger age than like they don't have to be 90 years old for this to at least see some clues yeah that's a great uh, great point in fact as you may have seen in the paper today the great uh, study that has just uh, come out reveals that the start of alzheimer's we now understand happens about 30 to 35 years before you even see some of the memory problems the brain is already changing uh, in the course of this disease. So you begin to see things earlier than you otherwise might suppose. And you never 
think much of those things until much later when there's a diagnosis and you say, oh, yeah. You so know, you start connecting the dots. Right. But it isn't a, a, like a common misconception, or you tell me if this is true. It's not like, oh, I forgot my keys. That may or may not be. Uh, Forgetting your keys usually is not anything to worry about. Forgetting what the keys are for, what the keys do, that's a different story. Right. So it's that kind of really big disconnects uh, where there could be problems. Yes. Yeah. And and in terms of just continuing my story, so my grandma was one example. The the more impactful one was my uncle, uh, who actually in his late 50s uh, got early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, The chances of that happening are, are very slim. Um, most of the cases are, you know, 75 to 84 years old. Uh, but I, he was a big mentor in my life and, uh, he got me into computers and business, uh, had other influences as well. But, uh, you know, just knowing him and the kind of person he was and how, you know, that changed over time, how it affected his wife and, uh, and also his direct family and even our family, it, it just made a big impact on How on old me. were you during that window of time? I was, uh, 20, 26, 27 years old. Yeah. So you saw it. So yeah. You, yeah. You, I, I was very aware of what was right. happening and it happened quick, you know, within four, four years, I think uh, he unfortunately passed, but you know, that just grew a fire inside of me where uh, I, I just want to give back and, and help other people. And I was at a point in my career where I was doing a lot of consulting, uh, and uh, it was it, it was exciting. But uh, I wanted to do something new to to make it fresh. And that's you know when Stu was saying we we just serendipitously uh, ran into each other and started talking about this. I I said, wow, this this really could help people because there's nothing out there that uh, uh, is, is like what Map Habit can provide. So how did this um, serendipitous meeting occur? It was like a pool party. It was just a neighborhood. It was a neighborhood. A neighborhood. We live in a cul-de-sac, or something. and this was a neighborhood gathering uh, where we had a chance. To right. So then, but you had been neighbors for like almost ten years. Yeah. yeah. And then, so you were like avoiding each other, or just saying hi politely. No, it's just, you know how it is on neighborhoods. Some people you're friendly with, other people you're less. Right. But you know, so, you, did you even know what he did? Not exactly. I knew he was he associated was, with Emory, and I went to Emory as well. So, uh, so you had that bond. I had, we had that bond, but I was, uh, you know, maybe a little intimidated or scared. Uh, He's kind of a scary guy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why uh, we never brought it up ahead of time, but uh, right. Know. So then you're at this get together, and then so what was the kind of the trigger that at least started the conversation was it one of your well, your like family members else, it's stories stories are important in right. people's lives and we were telling each other our stories and mm-hmm. uh, it turned out we began to resonate with this idea about our common history and how could we do something we had uh, talked about various possibilities this idea of having these visual maps i had uh, developed some techniques for doing these things called mind mapping. It's just a visual way of thinking, and mm-hmm. I use that in my courses. And I thought that maybe we could use these kinds of visual maps to help individuals. Uh, I didn't know quite how to go about that, but it turned out Matt did because he was an IT background and other kinds of things that he would bring to the table. So together, we actually created the plan for Map Habit to develop ways that we could illustrate for individuals the steps they needed, help them create the habit for those steps through routine and repetition. And that's the framework for Map Habit uh, as it now exists. Now, is the framework the same framework would as an individual uh, without the memory issues wanting to uh, 
create a good habit. That's a terrific point, Lee, and absolutely the answer is yes. The earlier you start with these habits, the more preserved they will be for later in life. And not only that, we know how hard it is to break a habit. If you try to stop smoking or try to stop eating, you know, not as well as you should, you know how difficult it is because those are long embedded uh, kinds of behaviors. So what we try to do is create those long embedded kinds of behaviors or take advantage of components that are already there to help develop the habit to get them through their activities of daily living, whether it's getting dressed or bathing or other things. Now, does the same, I, I don't. I read a book a while ago about habits and there was like a trigger or a cue where yeah. there's like a few aspects to a habit. Is that the same thing in these situations as well? Absolutely, exactly that. And we try to use this kind of cycle of reinforcement for the habit, getting the repetition of the habit to have people complete the task they get a reinforcement through some kind of music that they like or pictures that they like, other kinds of things, to help them repeat the activity again and again. Even though these are going to be activities that they had done historically in their whole life, kind of without thinking. And then as the disease progresses, it becomes like the, those kind of connections get harder to connect the dots for the individual and then they miss steps or, and then they yeah, can't well, do so it anymore? Yeah, well, so we know now that there are two kinds of memory systems in the brain. The memory system that is affected majorly in Alzheimer's disease is this everyday memory kind of system. Mm -hmm. It has particular structures in the brain. But there's another system that is preserved that doesn't develop the plaques and tangles that you hear about from Alzheimer's disease till much longer into the disease. And that's the habit system. That's the system involved with motor skills and habits and routine. And that's preserved for a much longer time. So we try to take advantage of that intact system to help people continue to utilize the habit part of the brain so they can accomplish these things independently. So now, uh, so you have the concept and then at some point, Matt, you start building a, some tech around it? Exactly, yeah. So it, it is a system. So we're, we're starting with a, a mobile app uh, that has uh, uh, different logins for the person with the impaired uh, memory. We have a login for the care provider, a caregiver. Also so now they got to know members. a password you're asking this person. Well, <laughs> that, that's the nice part about technology. It's always evolving in our benefits. So we have facial recognition and uh, you know uh, biometrics with your thumb. Um, so certainly the facial recognition for someone with uh, with this kind of condition is, is going to be the most important. What about uh, like kind of a voice thing like the Alexa or something where they can have a voice trigger? Yes. Yeah, so the map habit system is actually four uh, types of uh, modalities. Uh, one of them is the, the mobile app. Uh, the other one, uh, the next one is a paper-based printout. So you're probably thinking, how is someone who's never used a smartphone before, right. uh, maybe a little resistant to technology, can all of a sudden start using it? Well, the answer is they, they don't necessarily have to, even though some actually do want to learn and use technology and mimic uh, what their, their families are doing. We, we have the ability to print these out uh, for them and put them strategically at points of the house or points in their life that they would use them. So there's the, the mobile app, the paper base, there's the smart devices, as you alluded to. Amazon Alexa will prompt people when activities are supposed to start. Uh, they also provide uh, uh, the person to ask a question when they're supposed to do something. So um, not only for the Alexa, uh, but also for the watch, uh, th those are uh, th mainly the main types of uh, ways to interact with it. And then what type of routine uh, does this work best with for the individual, the senior? 
Well, the routines that work best are things that are referred to as activities of daily living. These are standardized uh, routines in the behavioral community. Things like getting dressed, uh, brushing your teeth, showering, toileting, all of those things are important things that the individuals have to accomplish every day and which for individuals become challenging to do and to do in the right order, to do at the right time. Taking their medications is another one. Uh, so having a reminder to be able to do that, having pictures of what the pill is to make sure they're taking the right pill, not the wrong pill, the how right many time. pills at the right. right time, all of those things are built into the system. The caregiver is alerted, for example, if the individual has not taken their medications uh, for a period of time, then the caregiver gets an alert and knows. There are other things built in that Matt was alluding to as well, things like uh, um, geo-tracking. So when they're wearing their watch, we know where the individual is. Do they go outside a certain geographical area? Can we find them? Those are all important pieces. Now, is this for... I know that the senior is going to use it, but is the, the customer the family member or, who, or is it the, the uh, facility that the person's at? Like who is the customer for this? So the customer for this in principle is the individual patient who has this condition as well as the caregivers, the family. Um, but we are also involved with um, uh, facilities where adult uh, living, adult care and uh, maintenance is, is uh, done. Um, so it's uh, open to a wide range of possibilities. Probably Matt can, is the person to explain that better. Yeah, yeah. these old living communities that have the continuum of care from independent to assisted living uh, through memory care, hospital systems will greatly benefit from this as well. Just imagine someone's been ad admitted for a fall. Um, they go in there, they actually get a diagnosis and they have Alzheimer's. So uh, what we will have as part of kind of the outpatient uh, processing is uh, they would, the hospital would give this to their, uh, their individual to one, uh, ensure their safety and, and make sure that they are doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, it benefits them because it reduces readmissions. Uh, it increases the adherence to medications, which uh, uh, will help the individual as well. It'll also increase the efficiency of the hospital staff in that uh, people will be more compliant and miss less appointments. Um, and what Stu was also mentioning before with having the watch on, there's a lot of things that the watch can can capture, such as, uh, you know, heart rate, your sleep quality, uh, your activity level. And with the thousands of users that we will have on the system, we will be able to aggregate that information, put it into an AI uh, deep learning model and create a, a what's called a neural network to uh, basically predict health outcomes uh, before they happen. Uh, and we, we think that that will greatly benefit uh, not only hospital systems, families, but but even the government, Medicare, so they can reduce the overall costs. So walk me through what's actually going to happen for my dad who's 85 and showing symptoms of this and my family members that are all paying attention to this, but he's living, you know, say by himself. How to what happens? So I, I say, okay, I'm in. Hook me up with the map habit system. So what, what, what occurs now? Well, we would identify who is going to be the caregiver or okay, the primary the, the caregiver person who's going to take okay care so it's going to be my sister so and then your... let's work on one of these things say yeah. um what showering 
Yeah. But what's so, the, you tell me, what's the yeah. low-hanging fruit? What's so the basic? The first thing is to identify who the caregiver is. Then mm-hmm. we would train the caregiver. There's a brief training program to allow them to use the maps, how they set up the maps. The maps can be set up and personalized in important ways. So depending on, for example, the level of impairment that the individual mm-hmm. has. Because it has to be flexed because it's going to get worse. It's going so to change, to, right, it's it's change, change over time. So mm-hmm. map habit is designed with that kind of dynamic flexibility. Right so that it can change. And the person who knows that best is your sister in this right. case because she knows she's there every she's day there right. all the time. So she can reshape the maps accordingly. With uh, You need a lot of steps uh, to describe this activity. You need only a few steps to describe that activity. She can provide pictures, take pictures in your own house of the environment so that that becomes the pictures on the map, the shower, the scene, the bathroom, wherever right. it is. So those maps are created by your sister then, and then at the time uh, that's appropriate, and when the individual wakes up or a few minutes afterwards, the first map shows up and shows what the individual should do, brushing your teeth or taking a shower. So how does it show up to my dad? It will be on an iPad, or again, if the individual is less techno-savvy, it will be on a sheet that is hung with the pictures showing the steps that need to be taken to mm-hmm. take a shower. So then next to his bed, if next we we it. know that he always gets up on the right side because people are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. So then the thing is like right in his face or somewhere nearby. exactly that, right. And then that gets him to the second. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah, right. it's step by step. <laughs> it's it a step by step. The, he shows next. that he's completed that. The next map comes up and says right. now it's time to get dressed. And you have a selection, a sequence of clothing mm-hmm. that possibly your sister will have already laid out or right. can choose. Uh, and you get through the day's activities exactly that way, through scheduling, through providing the information the individual needs, and through that routine. So now, at what stage is the company at now? Is this out there in the wild, or are you at beta users, or...? So we're still developing the uh, the application. So for the past uh, six or seven months, we've been doing research with uh, the Atlanta VA Medical Center, with Emory University, and uh, uh, Speak Life Management, which uh, operates one of the uh, the largest uh, assisted living communities uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, so we've been getting a lot of uh, you know customer discovery and understanding how people would use it at those different stages of the uh, the, the conditions and different uh, family involvement. So um, all. That's being incorporated into the app. We'll have it ready, uh, the initial what's called minimum viable product uh, in July. Uh, we'll be uh, piloting that with a, a small subset of uh, customers, and uh, we'll eventually be broadening it out to uh, to larger businesses and eventually direct to consumer. Now, are you looking for more um, kind of test cases? Are you looking for more organizations that'll let you kind of? Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think the more information at this point that we can get and the more types of people uh, in Using different types, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's only going to make our product even uh, more uh, advantageous for people. Yeah. Now, is there a competitor in the marketplace or um, where are you at in terms of that? Yeah. Yeah, there are some competitors. Uh, for the most part, those individuals are actually trying to bolster the everyday memory system to some of us that is the wrong approach because that's the system that is on the The downward slide. Uh, 
so instead, we have uh, been focused on this habit system, which is preserved for a longer time and which can sustain behavior for a much longer time. So uh, I think that's a differentiator for us uh, in terms of MAP habit, along with many of the characteristics that we just described. The idea is that the uh, system is really quite flexible and dynamic. It changes as uh, the individual changes. Uh, we use multi-modalities. We have information that the individual gets both in the visual modality and the auditory modality. Touch, um, the more kinds of sensory information you can converge on the individual, the better they will remember it, the better they will be able to maintain it. So we do a lot of things that we think uh, set map habit aside from other kinds of uh, products. Now, uh, from the caregiver standpoint, is my sister seeing if she has the app as well? Is she seeing kind of what happened during the day? Like, oh, he skipped three steps here or he missed, he didn't brush his teeth or things like that. Yeah, so the app is set up so that the caregiver can monitor all of the activities that are going on when those activities happen. Are they happening at the right time? If they skip a step, the caregiver gets notified. And it may be a minor step, so there's nothing much you want to do, or it may be something more important, and so the caregiver will then know to uh, intervene. So uh, what's next for you guys? Are you looking for funding? Are you looking... What do you need? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're always looking for uh, for funding to help us grow. Uh, we've been fortunate that uh, friends and family have uh, gotten us uh, to this point, and uh, we're actually well positioned through uh, the end of the summer, uh, and we'll be in revenue uh, during the summer. So uh, we're, we're currently uh, uh, definitely looking for for partners and potential customers uh, to and help partner, us grow. What's ideal partner? Uh, well, for example, you know, healthcare systems. So there's a couple of large ones here in mm -hmm. the Atlanta area that uh, I think would be great uh, candidates to start uh, using it and, uh, and and seeing how it can benefit them. Uh, other assisted living communities and and even insurance providers. So if you if you look at people who uh, subscribe to like Northwestern Mutual or or the, some of the other. Uh, 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 insurance companies out there, um, if they can provide this to their customers, um, it's a, it's basically a dual benefit. It, it helps the individuals uh, stay independent longer uh, and, and keeps the families together more. And it gives the insurers uh, a little bit more visibility into uh, you know how people are progressing. And we and have just to say to add to that one other point is that we have received. Uh, um, competitive funding from the Georgia Research Alliance. Georgia is really fortunate to have that organization oh, here. Yeah. Uh, so we've received GRA funding to help support the three studies that we've uh, carried out. We have an NIH SBIR grant uh, in pending as well, um, so that we have a lot of uh, other kinds of opportunities to be able to move our uh, research forward and the work forward as well. So. Now, uh, Matt, you have been involved in startups before? Yes. And it's still you? I have as well. So uh, is this one a different one for you guys, or is this just another adventure? Each one is an adventure. <laughs> right, but this uh, one this has some a, personal components and maybe yeah, the other ones didn't All of have. the ones I've been involved in uh, have really all been focused on aspects of Alzheimer's disease, dementia, memory impairment. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I have, uh, I'm a 
One trick one pony. Trick pony. <laughs> exactly. Got yeah, I, I'm a little bit different. I, I've always been entrepreneur, entrepreneurial in nature. Right out of school, my job got, um, you know, canceled. I was right at 9-11 happened, so I had to kind of do my own thing and linked up with a bunch of uh, Emory and Georgia Tech students and uh, grew that company and, and had an exit uh, from that company, which was uh, really fortunate. And then, you know, started some of the uh, uh, management consulting and, and doing other IT finance uh, related projects. Uh, so. I also got into private equity, uh, trying to divert some of my stocks and bond allocations <laughs> to, you know, some more uh, uh, different types of investments that I can pool together with uh, with family and friends. So uh, I've had a number of different types of uh, experiences, but by far this is the most meaningful, the most potentially impactful, just due to the lack of options. And uh, I want uh, a legacy uh, to be known that uh, you know we, we've really made an impact to help families and who are going through this horrible time. So. And if somebody wanted to learn more about Map Habit, what are the coordinates? It's www.maphabit.com. Good stuff. Well, thank you both for sharing your story today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, for before the we wrap, one more thing. How has the ATDC helped you? ATDC has been absolutely incredible with providing us with uh, resources, uh, you know, opportunities like this uh, with uh, entrepreneurs and catalysts and residents. Uh, they have uh, wonderful office space here, incredible companies that come uh, to uh, to help us grow and really just to have a sounding board. Uh, you're going through all these different phases and, and, and questions and complications. Sure, you have your own network of people, but you can't rely on them on a daily basis. Maybe a question here and there. Uh, for, for me, I know Sue also feels very strongly. It, it just helps to have uh, people that are dedicated to you on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that we'd be as far as we have uh, if it weren't for ATDC. And have you been part of ATDC before in any of your other ventures? Uh, no. First time for both of you? First time. Yeah. It's been just a terrific, terrific experience. Good stuff. Well, again, thank you both for sharing your story. And that's maphabit.com if you're interested in learning more. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on ATDC Radio. Radio.